Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you not only how to make money while traveling the world, but also how to produce amazing products and services, including getting your online courses done, getting your coaching programs done, and getting your books published. And that's one of my big passions is to interview fellow authors on our podcast. Uh, so I'm here in uh, Taipei, Taiwan, by the Taipei, Taiwan, by the way. So if you wanted to follow us along on a Daddy Global World Tour, make sure you check out our website daddyblogger.com and also our social media podcast and a YouTube channel where we document our entire trip. And I just published my second book of my kids' book series, which is all about uh, family travel. It's called Exploring the Continents. Uh, this first book is about South America. Second book's all about North America. And I love, I absolutely love interviewing fellow kids' book authors because we have a kindred spirit in terms of a passion to reach kids. Uh, the next generation to empower them uh, to get uh, you know reading aloud and uh, develop a lifelong passion for reading and um, as you'll see by this episode a lifelong love for pets and animals too so our guest today his name is Kevin Meehan he's the author of Isosceles Day and he's joining us live on location from Jackson Wyoming and uh, so excited to interview Kevin all about his book Kevin how are you doing over there in Wyoming today? Doing good. Uh, weather's comfortable here. It's not burning up like most of the country right now as far as temperatures go. So it's it's really nice. And we're inundated with a lot of tourists here in Jackson as it's Yellowstone, gateway to Yellowstone, so on and so forth. But we're doing okay here. Great to hear. Great to hear, Kevin. So one of the things we like to do when we start off a show is to get to know our guests. So why don't you share a little bit about yourself uh, in terms of yourself, your work, your family, your business, and your books? Sure. Um, I've been in Jackson for about 29 years now, and uh, I practice integrative health care. I also design and patent processes uh, in the health field from things like lowering cholesterol, to things like changing gray hair back to its original pigmentation, actually. <laughs> uh, we work here at the clinic with a lot of physical modalities, such as skier, you know, injury to knees, back, so on and so forth. We are in an area, a recreational area, that obviously uh, has a lot of activities, such as skiers, Jackson Hole, so on and so forth. So basically, that's what I do here in Jackson, is to help... Uh, accommodate the public with trying to help in the best way I can as far as health modalities, so on and so forth. Uh, I am currently single, except for isosceles, who the subject of the book is about, obviously. Um, and basically, that's it in a synopsis. It's, um, we're just having really good fun up here. And if we can help the community, that's what's important to us. You know, before we cover the book, I know every single one of our guests is going to be curious about how to turn a gray hairs back to black <laughs> or black to the original color. So I cannot continue this interview. I got to put, put it on pause and I got to make you answer that question because I know my listeners will grill me if they, if they don't get the answer. So what's the answer? I, I'd be happy to explain that on a bike format and make it easy for you, but it's relatively easy, easier than a lot of people think actually. Give us a quick summary, quick summary, like a one-minute summary. Pardon me? I was saying, just give us a quick summary, quick summary of how you oh, can do that, like a one-minute yeah. one version. Basically, uh, there's two types of pigments that uh, facilitate the color of hair. 
And these pigments are generated or dictated by a specific process, a cell that produces melanin or e-melanin it's called, so to speak. And what we do is we just generally reactivate these cells to start producing the pigment again. So it basically the concept is regenerating the pigment back to its natural uh, originality, so to speak. If you have black hair as an example, red hair, you know, brown hair, essentially regenerating that pigment back is what is the viable constituent of this process. And the best part is, it's not applied topically, it's taken internally. So, and isosceles is one person actually that when I, um, when I received him from the adoption center, he had gray hair on his muzzle, gray hair on his chest. I'd given him the process and he's, it's all disappeared and it's back to its original coloration. He's a black lab, so uh, basically we've, we've found fundamental aspects that show that it's working as it should. And we just received the patent on it about three months ago actually on the process awesome. thank you for sharing and i'm glad uh, your uh, dog i saw Celise, is back to the black lab not the black and gray <laughs> <lab>. <laughs> thank you. so uh, let's get into your book um and i would love to uh, hear the origin story um i i don't like to just hear what the book's about but i want to hear the why behind the what why did you write this book and what was the origin story and what was the purpose or the intention of getting this book out there into the public well, first of all, um, I had the idea, the premise of that we as, as adults, so to speak, we lose the ability to look at the world with the eyes of a child is what I refer to it as. The reason for the book is basically to give an idea, particularly with kids, what, does it, our, what do our pets do or what do animals do in general when we're not watching them, when we're not observing them? And I think you know as well as I do that children have wonderful imaginations. And I wanted to prompt that imagination with a lot of the illustrations in the book itself. So the premise of the book was to, number one, initiate the process of what our animals do, the possibilities of what our animals do when we're not watching them as human beings. And that's one of the primary reasons why I begun this book and I wanted to demonstrate that through illustrations. So that was number one. Number two was I wanted to give a, a format with the book about let's make it more of the illustration and let's let the illustrations carry the story rather than the text. So if you look at the book, the text is minimal where the illustrations are the primary focus. So I wanted kids to be able to look at the the illustrations and allow their their uh, imagination to guide them down this path of what animals might do and participate with other animals and so basically that was the format of why i, I was uh, uh, initiator why the interest to start this book and do it in the way it, it uh, was constructed began and i hope it does just that i hope it facilitates the imagination of children and possibly adults as well. One of the things I like to know when I meet an author is the whole process of writing the book. Because I know from experience, I've actually done uh, four different books. I have uh, my original book was all about uh, fatherhood, then I had the book all about um, my comic book series, then I have my kids book series. So I know from first-hand experience how hard it is to turn that idea 
into the book and then get it published, right? So uh, I'd love to hear your insights in terms of uh, writing the book. Tell us about uh, the discipline and how you got the book from idea to printed version. Sure. Basically, um, I wanted the pigment that puts the pig, these, these illustrations were done primarily in watercolor. And the pigment was the delivery form of bringing the illustration to what it was. So basically the pigment, as I see it, is a delivery format of saying, what can we do to put a format together to where children could look at this and say, I'm allowed to understand this book without even understanding vocabulary. So one of the things I realize is that through various cultures, as you understand, there, there seems to be something lost in translation. And that lost in translation means that vocabulary has to be translated, so on and so forth, where illustrations are immediate. The immediacy of an illustration means that there doesn't need to be any communication with vocabulary. So when I designed the book, the, the basic foundation of designing the book was, let's make the illustration the primary communicating format, and let's make it as innocent as possible. So that's, that's basically the format. To take isosceles, who had uh, a, a relatively rough childhood, which I can relate to, uh, going through that myself to some degree, and let's be able to bring that back and show people, listen, there's an opportunity for animals who are abused and so on and so forth to be catered to a better life, so to speak. And so this is more about um, illustration for kids, but also a communication or a format that says that animals have the opportunity of getting a better life and they can do it in a grand way to where they can maybe influence other people and other animals. And that's the format, the basis of how I came up with this book. Love it, love it. And I, I think um, it's very important to get kids excited about, uh, you know, in my case, travel from a young age, in your case, animals and pets and dogs from a young age. So in terms of a, a child or parents getting the kids, uh, their first dog, I haven't done this, by the way. I have three kids. I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. And we're considering, we're kind of a little bit too nomadic to actually settle with a dog. But if and when we do, I don't know what dog to get. I'm not sure if we should get a young little puppy, a big dog, if we should get it at a pet store, if we should adopt one. There's so many options. So from your insights, uh, what advice would you give to other parents who want to get their first dog for their kids? Well, the first thing, that's a very good question. The first thing I personally suggest, and obviously I'm not a trainer or, you know, anything like that in the professional realm, but through my personal experience, any dog will basically through diffusion, so to speak, will begin to pick up your attitude. So regardless if the dog has been abused, in my opinion, and obviously there are degrees of abuse, I think that if a, if a family or an individual conducts a manner that is inviting and relaxed to the animal, the animal will begin to pick up that with behavior. So to answer your question, what kind of breed or whatever, I feel it's more about the personal behaviors that we conduct around the animal that displays um, a situation that basically develops the animal into a, a 
uh, a personality, so to speak, where it's going to be aggressive or calm or whatever the case. I always love labs. And the book is about a lab, <laughs> isosceles, personally. And that's my own personal prejudice, so to speak, about dogs is a lab. Uh, labs are kind. They're, I think they were voted for the last 17 years in a row the number one family dog. Wow. Uh, because their behavior and their mannerism and so on and so forth. But by all means, I encourage people if they're, we look at this, this media that you've seen on TV, this huge uh, push or this huge uh, uh, demonstrative response about seeing these animals in shelters and so on and so forth. And obviously our heart goes out to them. And I just encourage people not to be so much aware or, or be resistant to the breed or so on and so forth, but rather just be confident that if they carry themselves and conduct themselves in a way of love and appreciation and acceptance, that the animal will adapt to that in most cases. Now, obviously, there are extreme cases, but in most cases, that's what I've seen in my personal experience. Kevin, that's some great, great, great advice. So for first-time pet owners, I think there's a fear factor, right? Um, if you've never done something, you're going to have fears as a parent, as a child, insecurity, self-doubts, like what if I break this thing, right? I, uh, so what, what kind of advice uh, would you give in terms of nurturing, taking care of the dog, forming the bond? Uh, any advice there in terms of really uh, creating that amazing connection between human and animal? What, how I look at that is if the animal is accepted as part of the family and not divorced from that, say, as an example, this is a dog, this is me as a human being, the way I personally go about this is to more or less come to the conclusion that this is part of the family. This is just like my brother, this is like my son or my daughter, so on and so forth. So with that manner, personally, my own perspective is as long as we come across with that perception and that feeling, the animal will begin to feel like it's part of the family, treated as such. Now, obviously, I go beyond. As an example, Isosceles has his own LLC, the book, so on and so forth. But I feel confident that many people will be able to feel comfortable, to answer your question, feel comfortable and not being reserved about getting an animal and the fears that might accommodate that, such as, you know, if they're going to be mean or they're going to be aggressive or they're going to run out in the street or so on and so forth. I think, I think that if we show the love, the pure love and acceptance for the animal, the animal through diffusion is the term I'm referring to or what I use commonly, the animal will begin to pick up and be more comfortable and to accept you because he's adopting you as well as you adopting him. I really congratulate you and I look forward to you uh, when you get your first animal for your family. You know what, uh, we actually do have a turtle right now. So technically we have our first pet, but a turtle, much easier. The turtle hangs <laughs> out in the cage, it goes for a swim, you have to clean the cage, but uh, a dog, whole different story, obviously, with the walking the dog, cleaning up the, the dog, and, uh, you know, nurturing it, forming the bond. Definitely dogs need a lot of love and affection, and I love how you put it. Uh, it's not just you adopting, but it's them adopting you. It's just that uh, the, the symbiotic relationship. So, um, 
Kevin, I'm curious to know about the book in terms of the content of the book and uh, what, what can the book teach us in terms of uh, uh, that connection with, that you're talking about? Well, what I like about the book personally is that there's no plot. I don't feel that every book has to have a plot, has to have a meaning. I mean, people look at, generally tend to look at it, which is valid, obviously, because I've written medical monographs for biochemical journals and so on. So I wanted to switch it for myself from science to this type of thing. And I didn't want a plot. I wanted it just to be about a day and about a day in Isosceles's life that didn't have to have a story, but rather this is his experience from morning, waking until night, going to sleep. So that was, that was number one. And number two is, once again, as I mentioned before, is to be able to communicate to any type of individual, whether, whether if they're you know, Asian or Hispanic that have language barriers to where they could look at this and say, I understand it because I can look at the picture. And that to me was really important. And I, I'm hoping that I was able to achieve that with this book. And thus far, that's what we're hearing from uh, the consumers. Great to hear, great to hear it. I love how you focused on your objective, right? And it doesn't have to be like any other book. If every other book has a plot, why doesn't yours need to as well? And I love the whole, the day in the life of a journey between a man, owner, and dog. Uh, so a great, great uh, story angle there. Um, Kevin, one of the other things I like to do when I get an author in the show is give advice to other aspiring authors. I truly believe this that we all have a book in us, or not just one book, we have multiple books in us, but unfortunately procrastination or self-doubt or kind of like um, delays or life or busyness gets in the way. So I really want to equip and support people to get their books done. So coming from an author who's got their book done in the midst of your busy uh, career um, and life, you've done it. So what advice would you give to other people who are about to do it or who are aspiring authors? Very good question. Um, I was asked to give a motivational uh, talk here in town about a month ago, and that question came up in a roundabout way. The best way, I, I'm not a trained artist, and if I can do it, you can do it. And the best thing I can mention to people in my own scenario is that book is within you, regardless of what the book is, if it's going to be literary, if it's going to be artistic, if it's going to be whatever, even if it's going to be writing music. Um, the best thing that I can suggest for people is you'll never know until you get up and try it. And I know that's a simple cliche that we all hear about. Um, but once we do it, I personally feel that I wouldn't want to go through my life not knowing what would have happened. And I think for authors, uh, promising authors out there, if, if you get out there and do it, at least you know you did it. And the best part for me is that I tried it, at least. And I think people out there, my advice is you'll be surprised at how much you'll feel gratification within yourself for doing such a thing. And then it just reverberates and it helps the community. And that's how I look at it because a lot of people in human behavior, we recognize ourselves at 40 years old or older, we tend to look back in life with regret if we don't accomplish things that we felt like we should have. And I think now's the chance, let's get out there and do it. And 
and that's my advice to people is you have it inside of you. You're better than you think you are. We always criticize ourselves more than what we need to. And that's my suggestion or my advice to, um, to promising authors. That is such rock solid advice. There's so much power when you get that book in print form because you feel the sense of accomplishment. I did it and I fulfilled my dream and I published my book and that is so empowering even if no one else reads it. But the more powerful thing is not only do you publish the book, but when others read the book and they say it's impacted them, it's made a difference, changed their life, you're just like, wow, I'm not only powerful enough to create these books myself, but to impact and inspire and to change other people's lives. So definitely uh, want to echo your sentiments. I agree completely with you. And, and I'd like to say this, as you know, that a lot of people are intimidated feeling that they have to get an agent, they have to get a publisher. That's not the case anymore. We're very fortunate to have social media like yourself. And uh, we can self-publish. Nothing holds us back. We have the opportunity to do these things. We don't need an agent. We don't need, you know, as you know, we don't need publishers or, or things like that. We can do it ourselves. Absolutely. So I'm curious to know, um, what does the future hold? You've done this book and it's all about, I saw Salisa's uh, day with uh, you yourself, the owner. Tell us about the future. Are you going to be producing more books about isosceles? Are you going to be producing different kids' books, different pets? Uh, give us a little teaser. What is the future hold for yourself, Kevin? Sure. So basically, we've already been asked to do a sequel on isosceles. As an example, isosceles, A Day at the Beach, or isosceles. The popularity of this book has generated so much interest that we want to see what he does in his next day, or what his next day provides. And I think the most important thing here is, as you know, we're living in a very tense world. We're living in a world that very, you know, children are exposed to things that are unfortunately traumatized to some degree emotionally, even if it's viewership on a computer or TV. And I wanted this to provide a little break for people to say, listen, we can step back from the world as we're seeing it today with all the tragedy and so on and so forth. So hopefully these sequels, uh, if they come down the line, so to speak, and that's the plan, is able to deliver a time of rest, a time of solitude for children and things like that. And that's my desire. Coming through a rough childhood myself, I know what it's like to live in trauma. So, and that's the communication I have with Isosceles, the association, is he went through trauma as well. So that's something that we both share together. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, so in closing, Kevin, I wanted to know how can people connect with you in terms of your website, social media, if they have further questions about the topics you've covered, like book authorship, owning the pet, how can they purchase a copy of the very, uh, the, the very uh, book we've been covering? Tell us about how they can connect. Basically, Isosceles, and here's, here's the book. So basically, Isosceles' day, the website is set up, and that's they can go to Amazon, uh, and just type in isosceles day or then go to the website and the website you might find somewhat humorous <laughs> if you have a chance to visit or if you feel compelled to do so um, and and that's what I encourage people to do I also have a, um, a series on YouTube Meehan formulations that talks about the health of dogs and feeding dogs and I started a pet food company actually I developed a pet food company we have a line of pet supplements 
for dogs specifically because I think health is very important besides the emotional health. Health is important as well. And through that educational format, I think that's important for people to understand, hey, not only are we taking care of an animal emotionally, but we're able to take care of an animal physically. And that's the beauty, just like we are with humans. Awesome. Well, Kevin, uh, always great to connect with a fellow author. Thank you for your insights. Great job getting your, the book out there. Wishing you the best in these upcoming book series all about Isosceles' uh, future. Uh, so thanks again, my friend, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. I'm honored to, be, to, have you, to have me as a guest on your show. I appreciate it. Listen, have a good day. You as well. The honor is definitely mine. And uh, make sure you grab a copy of Kevin's book. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, the links will be right below. You can click right through in the YouTube description. If you're listening on iTunes, the, the links to Kevin's book will be right in the show notes. And, uh, you know, I definitely have to uh, encourage you guys to get a copy of my books too if you're interested in family travel and uh, seeing this amazing world that we all live in. Grab a copy of my book about travel, Kevin's book all about uh, animals and pets, and you've got yourself some amazing books and some amazing reading for your kids. So thanks, everyone. I will catch up with you guys in the next episode.